بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد Amongst the verses recited tonight, alhamdulillah, in the seventh juz, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs us in the first raka'ah. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu la tuharrimu tayyibati ma ahalla Allahu lakum. We are instructed not to term as haram that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made halal. So if something has been clearly, distinctly determined with certainty in sharia to be halal, and a person doesn't have an inclination to it. For example, he doesn't want to eat a particular type of thing, then there's no harm in that. If he does not want to eat a particular thing which is halal, it's his preference and his choice. But for something which has been determined in sharia to be halal, for a person to clearly state that no, it's not halal, that would be detrimental to a person's faith and iman in the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs us also to ensure that we Eat halalan tayyiba Wakulu mimma razaqakumullahu halalan tayyiba Halal and that which is wholesome Is the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The sahaba radiallahu anhum Their scrupulousness And their particular, being particular with Avoiding haram Was to such a level That we all hear the story of Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu That one day After extreme hunger for two days He had not eaten anything and his servant prepared a dish for him. And in his hunger and haste, he took a morsel. Then the servant said, your normal habit is to ask me where I get, where I prepared the food from. So Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, said to him, where did you prepare it from? So he said, I passed by a group of people who I knew from the days of Jahiliyyah. I used to do soothsaying and fortune-telling for them. Although they had become Muslim and the servant was a Muslim, but in the days of Jahiliyyah, I used to pretend to be a fortune teller and this is why when they saw me passing by their, their function, they invited me to partake of a meal and then they gave me some and this is what I have presented to you. So Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu held his head and he said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. Al-qawm ma arafuka illa an tariq al-kahana. He says the only link between you and that people and that, that particular family is fortune telling and soothsaying soothsaying. For me, that is sufficient to contaminate and pollute the food which I need to consume. Nabi sallallahu said, Every type of flesh which is nourished with haram, then it doesn't deserve anything else other than the fire of Jahannam. So, he tried to vomit that one morsel of food that he had swallowed, and he was unable to do so because of the severe hunger that he was enduring before that. So somebody told him, why didn't you fill your belly with water? And then eventually tried to, and he did that. And that bit of food which he swallowed came out. His family, they taunted him and they said, oh, Abu Bakr, oh, Amirul Mu'mineen, you could have died at this age, you're trying to forcefully vomit one small morsel out. So he said, if I had to die, I'm prepared to die, but I'm not prepared to leave this world with a doubtful morsel. Whereas, in reality, it was merely doubtful for Abu Bakr as-Siddiq because of the link with Jahiliyyah. So this is how particular the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, it is said about him, Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah says he used to eat only seven morsels of food. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum, not in Ramadan, in their normal routine, they were very particular about ensuring what goes into their belly. And they, they say if you can control what goes into your stomach, 
then you are in control of your dunya. Somebody, Imam Ghazali rahimahullah mentions that somebody asked Qasim al-Jur'i, one of the famous scholars of before his time, before Imam al-Ghazali, that what is zuhud? What is the quality of abstinence where a person knows he's got control over the dunya and the dunya is not controlling him? So this Qasim al-Jur'i, this famous scholar, he gave some definitions of abstinence of this world which the scholars of his time had mentioned. So the questioner told him, I want to know what you call zuhud. So he said, al-batnu dunya al-abd. He says that the, the, the true description of your dunya is your belly. فَبِقَدْرِ مَا تَمْلِكُ مِنْ بَطْنِكَ تَمْلِكُ مِنْ دُنْيَكَ The amount of control you can exercise over what goes into your stomach when something is in front of you and you really want it and you can control how much is going in and when to stop. That displays how much control you have over your dunya. And if it's not like that, it means your dunya has got control over you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. I'm talking about myself and this is a lesson for all of us. So halal and to eat that which is pure is something which puts nur in our a'mal. It lightens up the heart. It lightens up the mind. And even the, some ulama say when, when young children, there was one famous alim who came, visited South Africa and he had a, he had a, a, a hifz class in, in America. And he mentioned the story. He said there was one boy who was so intelligent in school, he got a presidential award in his particular school for his excellence in his academic studies. But when it came to Quran, even his Nazra looking inside, he was finding difficulty. He reads one page, the next day he can't read the same page looking inside, never mind memorizing it. So he said, I called this boy and I asked him, tell me how's your normal routine? What happens at home? So the boy said to him, no, um, this is our routine, mother and father, alhamdulillah, very happy family, but they're all very busy. So we always have takeouts and we go, and this is in America. We're not talking about a place like South Africa, alhamdulillah, where Allah has blessed us with lots of halal, but places where in America where there could be some cross-contamination of, of the food. So sometimes we eat at this outlet, sometimes at that outlet. So he said, okay, he, Allah put it in his mind, let me try something to help this child. He called the parents, he said, can you give me an undertaking for one year, you'll prepare your own food at home. The mother should cook their own food and eat as a family collectively with your own food. Don't go out for one year. And he says within one year he completed the whole Qur'an. Within one year the whole Qur'an. So when a person consumes halal, it puts nur in the, in the heart, it lights up the mind, it makes it easy for even our children and even seniors and elders to memorize and learn. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, it is said once about him, in a particular battle, he prepared very uh, good meals for his soldiers. But when the time came for him to eat, he would sit one side and he took a small bag out. And then they saw that in that bag, there's another bag, small like a pouch. And he opens that and there's another pouch in that. So some, and when he opens it eventually, the third pouch, they find he's taking out pieces of, of dry bread and he's eating that and drinking water over it. So one of his companions said to him, Oh Amirul Mu'mineen, you've prepared such, such wonderful meals for your soldiers and you're eating dry bread. So he said, Amma hadal khubzu fa'arifuhu. He says, this bread, I know where it came from. I know where it came from. I know who harvested the wheat that was used for the bread. I know the type of water that was used to irrigate the land upon which the crops were growing. I know what fire was used to prepare for the oven to bake the bread. And I, knew, I know who baked the bread. So I know the lineage of this. It's exactly 100% halal to my knowledge. And this is what I prefer what I prefer eating. And who were these people? These were the students of Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. These were the people that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has made our guiding stars. So it is only 
necessary for us to at least try to emulate. I'm not saying start eating dry bread. What I'm saying is let us be conscious of how we are consuming. And this is why there was a famous doctor in the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum who came to Medina Munawwara. So he waited for a long time and there were no patients coming to him. So he asked Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu, why don't we have any sick people here in Medina? So he said, نَحْنُ قَوْمٌ لَا نَأْكُلْ إِلَّا إِذَا نَجُوعٌ وَإِذَا أَكَلْنَا لَا نَشْبَعٌ Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu said that we a nation, we don't eat unless we're hungry. And then when we eat, we don't fill our bellies. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa taught us that we should fill our stomachs with three things, right? One third for, one third for food, one third for drink, and one third for, for air. Nowadays the people ask a the question, they say, Mawlana, uh, can you eat and drink at the same time? Is it uh, like according to the sunnah or against the sunnah to eat and drink at the same time? But the way we eat, then it's not. Because we don't eat one third, one third, one third. We eat till here. So there is no place for, for, for water. And if you drink water, then that's when all the complications would start. So if a doctor is telling you don't drink and eat at the same time, he's perhaps telling you because of the way we eat. So if we try to implement this firstly halal and then in moderation, and when we eat, inshallah, try to keep in mind the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's so many other verses that we wanted to touch on. Um, how much time do we have? Let's finish. Okay, I'll just, if you allow me, just... Uh, the, the Surah Al-An'am was, was the chapter that was commencing tonight's recitation. Surah Al-An'am. An'am in Arabic means livestock. So there's some mention of it in the Surah. But the beautiful point that I would like to share on, about this Surah is that in the Hadith, the Mufassirin say that Rasulullah said when this Surah, in fact the entire Surah with the exception of a few verses was revealed in Makkah Mukarramah at once. So very seldom do you have a long Surah which was revealed at once. Surah Al-An'am is one of those Surahs in which the majority of the verses with the exception of a few verses were revealed at once in Makkah. And this Surah, when it was revealed, there were 70,000 malaika making tasbih as it was being revealed. So that's like an indication of collective dhikr and tasbih. The malaika are doing collective dhikr and tasbih. It's not necessarily something to be frowned upon. Uh, nowadays we have you know, objections on everything. If somebody makes dhikr or somebody uh, does salawat, then it also becomes a contentious issue. And uh, people use big words of impermissibility and uh, bid'ah and all those type of things which we should leave for the, for the scholars, inshallah. On some other occasion, we'll touch on that particular topic and the definition of bid'ah and the things which are part of uh, that discussion. So in the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, praise is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether you praise him or not, he is worthy of praise. خلق السماوات, he created the heavens والأرض, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the earth. What does that mean? The ulama say, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all those physical and concrete objects which we can see. So the makhluk which is called as kathif, which is concrete and physically has a form. And that makhluk which is latif, that which doesn't have a form, is like the malaika, we cannot see them, the jinn. These are all the creation of Allah. Jannah we cannot see. Jannah has the letters jim and noon. And in Arabic, a word which has jim and noon indicates something which is not visible to the, the physical eye. Like a baby in the mother's womb is called Janin in Arabic. And a, a person who lost his mind is called Majnoon because his mind is gone, but you can't see where his brains are. 
So the invisible creation is also what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought into existence. When we say something is a creation of Allah, then the definition according to the ulama of, of Ahlul Sunnah is something which was non-existent and came into existence. Something which is masbuk bil adam. It was non-existent and Allah brought it into existence through his qudra. So Allah created the seven heavens, Allah created the earth, whatever is visible, invisible is a creation of Allah. nur, And Allah created darknesses and Allah created light. Now normally in our existence we know that light and darkness, these are two opposites. The absence of light means darkness, the absence of darkness means light. But from this verse we learn that both are the creation of Allah. Darkness is also a creation of Allah. And light is also a creation of Allah. It doesn't just happen automatically. Both are in the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which means there was a realm, a realm and a period in which there was no light and no darkness also. What that is, we do not know. But Allah has created it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore tells us of his greatness. He says, Then we still find the people who reject Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala equating him to other things that... They can see with their, with their eye. They equate him to the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, Allah has created you from clay. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has determined the period which you will live. So we've got a beginning point and there is a time when we will leave this world. Most certainly each and every one of us will leave this world. The most important part is the period in between, uh, of, in between birth and death to ensure that we do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our qiyam and salatu al-taraweeh and our siyam during the day of the month of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala slow down the time so that this month doesn't pass by too quick. It's already a few days as we, you want it to go slow and um, it just passes, passes by like, like, a, like a breeze. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to enjoy every moment of this month and give us all the barakah and through the du'as and ibadah of all the pious people in our community, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove the difficulty that the ummah is facing, whatever uh, families have, sick individuals, those people who have family members in the hospitals or sick children, sick parents and elders, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them shifa and we should constantly make du'a and I will remind you in conclusion to maintain the utterance of Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah Astaghfirullah, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-jannah wa a'udhu bika min al-nar The four things which we should say abundantly as guided by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.